Welcome back to another politics update. I'm Mia George, lead opinions editor for The Standard, and I'm actually joined here today with a new partner. Hi, I'm Rudy Chamria, and I am lead features editor for The Standard. So firstly, we want to start off with a story about um, Italy and Sweden. In the past few weeks, these two European nations have been swept up by far-right parties who are making huge strides. In Italy, Giorgia Meloni, a far-right Italian politician and leader of the Brothers of Italy party, is predicted to become the country's first female prime minister, but also one of the most conservative politicians since the end of World War II, according to The Guardian. Many are wary that the nation may dip back into authoritarian tendencies. Many news outlets even claim that her tenure may lead to the rise of fascism in the country, um, such as Vox, and many go as far as saying that she could be as far-right as Mussolini once was. So as we speak today on September 25th, voters are at polls. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for Italy uh, if they swerve right. And then similarly in Sweden, after almost a century of full domination from the central left party, the far right party, the Sweden Democrats, came out with their best result in history. And they're predicted to win the collective majority of votes in parliament. And so this can really shift some of the laws and um, the, the laws and policy in Sweden. They've, their focuses include um, setting, a, setting a movement of harsher laws surrounding immigration and uh, entrance of asylum seekers into the nation. And they also believe that this, these two things are directly correlated with the rise of crime in Sweden. Um, the Swedish research group Acta Publica said they have identified 289 politicians from the largest parties in Sweden who may have expressed views that might be deemed racist. 214 of those 289 politicians were members of the Swedish Democratic Party, this far-right party. So, of course, this is huge, is, is just a huge shift from um, the current leader, Jimmy Ackeson, who um, pushed a huge policy of zero tolerance with racism and extremism, according to the BBC. And another thing that I thought was important, a political scientist in the University of Gothenburg um, says the moment, this moment in Swedish politics is a dividing line. Um, and I think that this is true because this is like, uh, we're in a current state of complete polarization. Um, and, it'll see, and it'll also be interesting to see how this nation moves going forward. Yeah, and uh, moving forward to another, unfortunately, pessimistic note, we thought it was necessary to debrief and give updates on Russia and Ukraine and the crisis there, because although it's not at the forefront of media platforms right now, it's still very much occurring and it's still very much escalating. So one of the most pressing concerns regarding the crisis has been the increase in mobilization on behalf of Putin and his explicit intentions on not backing down. And an article published by the New York Times explains such a concerning shift and of the fact that Putin is now enlarging his scope of mobilization of troops to such an extent that the Kremlin has taken their recruitment efforts to another level and they're actually scoping out Ukrainians in occupied territories and essentially forcing them to fight against their own nation. So specifically the regions of Kherson and Zaporizhzhia, Russian occupiers have begun rounding up men to fight along with forcing residents to vote in a sham referendum on joining Russia. And to quickly take a step back and explain what a sham referendum is, 
Uh, Moscow have recently began these referendums and it's on joining Russia in areas it occupies it in Ukraine. And it's a plan that many refer to as a sham because the Kremlin's end goal has been said to result in the annexation of, a, of an area as large as Portugal. So these referendums are taking place and demonstrate the Kremlin's end goal, which is essentially that annexation. And men between the ages of 18 and 35 are forced to leave and have been reported for military duty. It's important to consider that the drive behind this and what I would personally call desperation on behalf of the Kremlin is to compel Ukrainians to fight other Ukrainians. And it's an effort to mobilize more troops in the face of their forces facing huge casualties. And the Kremlin have actually struggled to maintain Ukrainian advances in the east and the south. So this is all retaliation. And this is more than retaliation, this is desperation. The severity of such a move is unparalleled, as the Kremlin is explicitly ignoring international condemnation by potentially cleaving and actually creating civil tensions in Ukraine by enforcing troops to fight against their own country. And so we must consider the most dangerous consequence of this, and it's declaring such areas as Russian territories and acknowledging that they're actually protected because of their full arsenal. They're protected because, ultimately, they have the world's largest stockpile of nuclear power. And while we haven't reached that state, and I hope we never will, it is a long-standing consequence that world leaders have to constantly consider when deciding their next moves. And so to quickly cover a more niche event, we want to highlight the shocking expense of the 2022 midterm elections. Yeah, so House and Senate members are um, estimated to spend approximately 50 million um, more U.S. dollars than the previous 3 billion U.S. dollar record um, in the 2018 midterm U.S. elections. Um, and this is accounted for with inflation as well. Um, and so it's really a testament of how campaigning has just reached another level, even in these smaller midterm elections. Um, people in the Financial Times, it's accounted that people are putting up signs to endorse senators and and other politicians that are out of state um, on their yards. So it's, yeah, it's just become another level of campaigning and um, a huge investment of money. I think also the fact that the Financial Times say that it's not going to stop here, that it's going to increase during the last six weeks before the midterm elections, as it has historically occurred. Well, that's even more concerning. And it also, it's something that we, that many, including myself, forget when it comes to elections and campaigning is actually the expenses that go into that. But Rudy and I were discussing as we were doing our research, and it, and it begs the question of whether politicians should limit expenses going into campaigns, especially when we're in a state where uh, there's a standard of living crisis taking place and the economy is at an incredibly weak state and energy bills are extremely high with Russia-Ukraine crisis. So is this the time to be putting such expenses into campaigning? Is it necessary? Is it essential? Um, or can it be limited? So that is our, those were our three main events for today's pol- politic update and join us next podcast. Thank you.